0: Know the, deal. the powwow app. You take a shower, and we only deal with the real. It feels so surreal having a show featuring ordinary people doing extraordinary things within your community, like raising funds for charity, fighting for diversity, inclusion, dispelling myths and illusions, raising health awareness. Tremendous conscious athletes, marathoners and triathletes making a difference, combating ignorance. Mm. Behind the wheel, you know the deal.
1: Hey. Hey, how's it going? Hey, how are you
0: doing?
2: Good. Can you hear me?
1: Yep. All right, man.
2: You got your earbuds?
1: Yeah, I got them in, so should be good to go. Okay. So, I gotta ask you, when you... Sure. Because the uh, podcast is called Behind the Wheel, are you always behind the wheel? (laughs) When you record it, at least?
2: Sometimes, (laughs) yeah. Most of the time, like, when I started it, it was, um, like, I would I would be sit- I would literally be sitting in the car. Like I'm sitting in the car now because I'm o- I'm on the go or whatever. Okay. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I would I, w- I would be sitting behind the wheel, and then I would call someone, and sometimes they might be in their car, they're in the house, and yeah, um, yeah. That's where the name came from. I thought about like i would you know, sort of. Workshopped it with the kids at one point, and they were like, um, wait, uh-huh. behind you know, under the hood or something I'm like that. I mean, I go, nah, we're not gonna, nah it's, not, it's, not, it's not a car show, but
1: yeah, it's and, better than uh, it's better than asleep at the wheel, I guess.
2: Yeah, I don't want to, <laughs> nobody wants to fall asleep at the wheel, right? <laughs> like that would that would uh, suck, but um, yeah, that's that's how the, that's how the name came about, okay? And you know, so we're um, yeah, we're sitting behind the wheel. And uh, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your host, Darren Baby Octavio, D-Rock, D-Living, Stel! Woo! And today we got a special guest all the way from Hershey, Pennsylvania. He runs with the Faster Bastards, now living in Baltimore, Maryland. Oh, man, this guy is, a, is, a, is an author, uh, a writer. All around all around, nice guy. Give it up for Robbie Redinger.
1: Hello. Nice nice to be on the show. Thank you.
2: Yeah, man. How are you
1: doing today, sir? I'm great. I'm having a good day. It's supposed to snow here in a little bit, so I'm debating whether I want to just stay inside and put on some Netflix or uh, actually go run in the snow. So we'll see.
2: We'll see, man. Yeah, that's what they were saying here, man. I mean, yes, like yesterday it was supposed to be um, a storm – and yeah. my sister had like a um a show, and they canceled the show because they were afraid of the snow, I guess. Mm. And and now today it's sunny and bright, man. That's and nice. <laughs> yeah, and they're talking about a storm, so I'm like, okay, I better get out early and. Um... And hopefully the storm doesn't come, or it does come, or whatever. But
1: yeah, I, um, I will say when I say watch Netflix, I mean watch my kids and not get anything done.
2: <laughs> well, you know that's always an episode, man. It's it's, it's, it's not a rerun. <laughs>
1: that's
2: never true. Gonna be two, two days alike. How are your kids, man?
1: Um. So I have uh, my oldest turns three next week, and okay. then I have, uh, or we have a. Seven month old? Yeah, he just turned seven months old yesterday. So
2: okay. You're checking it sound like you were checking in to make sure you, you're not you're not checking in, right? It's not like the uh you
1: don't <laughs> no. The date. <laughs> no, I, I know, <laughs> Is it seven I know. months? <laughs> well it's well, sometimes my wife goes by like the actual date as in seven months, or it's or some people measure it differently, you know what I mean? So I'm always like, I don't know, it's always between months or whatever.
2: Yeah. So Oh man. So I um, you know, I became familiar with with you through a mutual friend, and then a, a, a posting, which which caught my attention, and so yeah, I wanted to get you, you know, on the on the air to sit down and kind of talk with you, man. And and so for those people who don't know you, um, yeah, I'm gonna give a little little back history about you, about yourself, sure. and you know,
1: yeah. So I um, I'm originally from Hershey, Pennsylvania. I've lived in Baltimore for the last eight years, coming up on eight years. Um, Mm -hmm. so I've actually, yeah, lived here for a good part of my adult life, I guess, over half of that, um, or almost half. Um, I started running four years ago and I got really into it. Um, my favorite distance is marathon, although I'm slightly injured right now, which is driving me completely insane. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. Yeah. I run what with. Happened? uh my last marathon training cycle I just uh basically had a tendonitis in my upper hamstring that I just it was just a little bit and a little bit, and then I uh just you know ignored it like most runners do, and then kept gotcha. battling through the last month of my marathon training. I mean the marathon went great, like I could still run on it, it's just I can't really get any faster, it's kind of limiting in that way, so. It's just, they
2: won't kick you out the crew right if you, uh, you know. i don't
1: know it's like <laughs> it's kind of precarious the faster bastards are pretty uh brutal about their uh membership i'm just kidding no they're cool guys <laughs> but uh but i have it sucks though i haven't been able to go on like like long runs in a really long time i went out yesterday with them for like four miles but you know it's not it's not long um so anyways so that's. I got into running four years ago. I really, uh, before that, I wasn't into running at all. I, From the age of 18 to 32, I probably ran uh, maybe three miles total. Um, oh, and
2: and, uh, oh, okay.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> I was very not active. I smoked for 10 years, quit smoking four years ago as well, um, and then I like smoke and drank a lot of my 20s. I was in a band that toured around um, the U.S. We weren't that popular, so you never heard of us. But but anyways, that kind of lifestyle led to a lot of, like, late nights, drinking, smoking, uh, you know, not eating well on the road. So okay, didn't have a very healthy lifestyle until uh, I've covered this in, uh, on another podcast I was on, but I had a cancer scare um, mm. type type thing like about this is all happening at the same time so like i kind of like changed my turn my life around started doing being more active around this is Um, that
2: what led you to start running uh,
1: yeah definitely i mean it was on that progression like i had this scare where they thought i had uh a mass in my chest and or my pancreas and then in my lymph nodes and it was kind of like this precarious thing for like three or four months where I didn't know what was going on and they were doing scans and finding stuff and like ultrasound. I don't know. if It was just a bad scan or I don't, I honestly don't know, but they uh, ended up, it wasn't anything. Um, I guess it was just like after they went in and did an endoscopic ultrasound, they didn't find anything. And, they, and I went back and they took samples and stuff. And so, so that was like three years ago. Yeah. It was about, when I finally was clear it was like three years ago, so I think I'm okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, it was kind of so like right after that I kinda of started thinking about stuff and um quit smoking um like pretty much just cold turkey and then uh and then just kind of I started biking a lot more around the city. Um and then I got. I actually hate it running. Like literally more than anything. I can't even imagine anything I hate it more than running. <laughs> like, and I. But runners really like annoyed me because I was. It's just like, <laughs> like I get it. Like, there's they're super annoying. Like always getting out there doing marathons, and I was like, you know what? I could do a marathon. It's like it's not a big deal. <laughs> and so just to, just to stick it to runners, I guess I had this.
2: I could do this too. You got, me not doing anything that's yeah know, like super.
1: <laughs> no, that's exactly right. I was like, this isn't that ridiculous. And so I, I was going to sign up for a marathon. And my one friend was like, Oh, you might want to pump the brakes on that. Maybe you just like go for a half distance. And I was like, all i right, right, I'll, I'll do the half. And then, uh, uh, yeah. So I ended up, you know, running my first half and it was, pretty awful the first month or you know first month of training but I stuck to it and and then after I ran the half I was like oh this is
2: now my favorite thing <laughs> oh man so you were hooked <laughs> exactly so yo what instrument did you play man
1: I played bass guitar
2: okay the bass mm-hmm. right.
1: I mean it's yeah. the it's like the easiest instrument to pick up I think because like it's all, you just need to know the notes and then if you can kind of learn how to how that fits in with the band it's it's much easier than picking up a guitar and being good
2: at it okay did you sing too or just uh
1: no just i just played bass yeah
2: okay well did you you had a stage what was your stage name
1: (laughs) no i didn't have a stage name it was definitely the same name (laughs) or oh like you mean as far as the band name yeah and oh,
2: your stage name? i thought you i mean the band name i thought you would have like a stage
1: name you know? <laughs> no it's definitely it was just
2: robbie on the bass. i wish it was as cool
1: as like slash but it de- definitely was not um no our band name was farewell flight and um i think we're on some i'm not spotify maybe or uh itunes but anyways we uh yeah we weren't that big we just toured around like five or six months out of the year but around the u.s um but how do you guys big,
2: put out records
1: or yeah, we have a couple, we had a couple of records out, but there was only like a smaller label. So it wasn't that, you know, that big. And we booked most of our own, own tours. So like we ended up playing like the craziest, you know, just dive bars, some bigger venues, but like everywhere throughout the South and Midwest, especially. And then, um, a little bit on the West coast, but
2: uh, I was at a, um, a music mash, uh, WPN, one of the local radio stations here, uh, had a uh, they were selling like vinyl. So I was like, oh, curious. So somebody in there might have some of your uh, some of your work, man.
1: It's possible. I don't know. It's like it's super random. Like the people who like this and like got to know. I mean, like I said, we weren't that big, but we. I don't know. We had an awesome time doing it, so that was cool. <laughs> I mean, it was cool you, before. You guys
2: look pretty cool. I mean, who's sitting on the couch? <laughs> I mean, I see somebody on on the couch with some boots.
1: Oh gosh, now everyone's uh, going to Google this.
2: Yeah, with, with the uh, with the suspenders, you guys, you you're pretty rad. Is that you in there? Uh, oh, like nah, I. Don't, okay,
1: man. so that was like so. So here's the thing: the band moved to uh like Na- like nashville and then that's when we, i kind of like left the band so the dudes um in the couch or like actually th- two of the guys were in the band with me and the- another guy was a new drummer but anyways um okay. yeah
2: uh, yeah so y'all could google that later and, and check them out yo the, the, the setting the couch is hot man
1: i mean no it's good. nice look <laughs> yeah it is um but like we yeah like i said this was like 10 years ago though so you know what i mean it was like it was weird because it was in this pre uh so, kind of social media phase it was like before any like social media took off for marketing other than like yourself, basically, so like mm-hmm. Facebook business wasn't even a thing yet. I, th- I think that started more in like 2008 or 2009, maybe, and we went kind of went from like 2005 to 2010. Um, gotcha. So yeah, it was. It would have been cool to experience it from like that, you know, Instagram standpoint, kind of s- see how it spread organically. But we were just doing it like DIY, like straight up, like kind of as, like like a 90s model but it was mm-hmm. in that weird transition period so
2: now did you do the uh the the, the were you the media manager marketing manager for uh for the band oh uh, i did and, some and the bass?
1: uh i did some stuff like that i mean i did actually it's like for what there was because like like i said like at the time it was just like myspace was the only like outlet for stuff like that so like mm-hmm. and they didn't have like any uh automated type stuff so i had to like I would really I would like dig into myspace and like recruit like, like find venues and then like get people to come out to shows and promote that way um which was like worked in the beginning but then as it was like shifting um towards facebook and myspace was dying off it was kind of like this like desert space where it was really hard to promote um you know organically that way uh but yeah so like there is and like i handled all the merch stuff and so that was like kind of interesting like and then just like talking to people it was a really cool thing because you like being on the road um and meeting tons of people that way so like if you're a famous band you kind of like do your thing where you're on the bus you get off you go to play the show get back on the bus you know what i mean so it's like Mm -hmm. you're really not out like but when you're grinding it out and hustling you kind of like those the people there are your lifeblood so you like want to like make connections and stuff so like when we were at shows we would talk and meet with everybody and it was cool because like you got to meet this whole like like crazy uh what do you call it like cultural diversity within america so you got to see like like the south like the deep south how people they are like the midwest or like up in michigan who are like the nicest people ever um Mm -hmm. and then like texas is is like its whole new universe and then but it was really cool because you really get to like connect with people we'd always be like crashing at people's houses like that we never met and we're just like (laughs) sleeping at their house drinking beer with them to like four in the morning it's like and some of those people were like like still friends with us like lifelong friends and and honestly like two of the people were you know that's how our band members got got married like people they met on the road so oh man kind of crazy did you meet your wife on the road no i knew her in um through a friend of hers in college or that I went to college with one of her best friends. So we met that way. That's
2: really random, right? (laughs) Did you meet your wife on the road? Yeah. It's none of your business, Derek. I thought we were here to talk about Oh, no, I love it. I'll
1: talk about (laughs) anything. I don't care, man. It could be running, fan life, whatever, but we can get back to running. That's fine.
2: Yeah, so What led to the writing of the article.
1: Yeah, so so the article I wrote for Runner's World um, last week or came out a couple weeks ago. Um, about uh, segregation in Baltimore, kind of how that um, connects with running to some degree. And the idea for it came, I was really into, uh, I read this book called Not in My Neighborhood by uh, Antero Paitila, I think is how you say his name. He used to be a reporter for the Baltimore Sun uh, for like 20 or 30 years in the, uh, I think like 60s and 90s. And um like, really great writer. And this book really kind of changed my perspective on Baltimore. Even though I had lived here, it's just like really gave you like this full scope of the history of Baltimore and like totally you understand how Baltimore is the way it is, which is to say that it's uh, worse than pretty much every other American city in in every I mean in murders and crime in poverty in the way it's segregated. I mean, there's others, certainly many cities are segregated among them, St. Louis, um, Detroit, and Memphis. I know all a lot of them have hard lines. And a lot of them are also some of the worst, uh, as far as like crime cities in America, um, and poverty. And so kind of seeing how uh, I was really interested in seeing how the, the history of Baltimore, you know, kind of led to what is today. And so so I was reading that book at the time and I I came across the Strava heat map. So Strava, if anyone doesn't know is a fitness app where you track your runs or bikes or whatever. And it shows the routes. Yeah. All
2: the really annoying running runners know about Strava. Yeah. I'm not really cool. So I don't, I don't really have a Strava. Yeah. I got an old Garmin, but
1: (laughs) right. Exactly. And like, so I, I mean, I didn't use Strava until a year or two ago and a lot of people do uh, map my run or like my fitness pal. It's essentially the same thing, I, but it, it's the largest platform out there. So it's like the largest sampling of data that you could get is probably from Strava if you're trying to look at running routes. Um, so I was looking at that map and it shows if you can define the map by area or region and you can see the routes where people run. And so uh, I was looking at. Uh, this map and there was like a hard line between essentially where the white area is in Baltimore and where the black area is in Baltimore. And this is actually a term that had, has been used before by, um, uh, a professor at Morgan state university. And it was
2: a white L black yeah, butterfly. Yeah.
1: It's called the white L and the black butterfly. And there's a, uh, Hold on, let me just make sure I have his name right. Um, Yeah, there's a professor at Morgan State University. That's a historically black college and university in Baltimore City. And his name is Lawrence Brown. And he came up with this idea of the uh, white butterfly. I'm sorry, the white L and the black butterfly, which is that if you go from the north part of the city down to the south and then east, it makes an L and it's right in the middle of the city. And then so that's where generally like most of the white people live. And then the outside, um, to the left and the right, are kind of the shape of butterfly wings. If you look at the county out, uh, the uh, where it's delineated it from the Baltimore County, and those are called the black butterfly. So,
2: and now is this the shape you see when you looked at Strava? Were you able to see the shape? Yeah, so on, it's uh, a, so
1: exactly. It's literally the exact same shape as that as that uh, concept that uh, Dr. Brown came up with, which is that there's it's literally like in black and white i mean especially because you can do on the heat map you can do the running routes in white and then it's in black and white and so wow. so it's it was pretty interesting i mean it, it's not that surprising i guess to say oh well like everybody knows that this is like the black areas or are the or in the black butterfly those areas are the most impoverished neighborhoods in baltimore they're They have the most crime. Um,
2: You almost got the Baltimore pronunciation down to like a T, man.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah.
2: Baltimore. We were Baltimore. I'm like, okay, I was practicing before. Yeah, you got to put
1: uh, it. It's it's a D, not a T, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. Yeah. It's weird. And Baltimore accent's like super weird, too. And so it's like, I feel like sometimes I start picking that up, so I have to be conscious of that. (laughs) But yeah, so anyways, um, so I thought, man, that's crazy. Like the running routes are like exactly the same and and maybe that isn't that crazy, and it's obvious like oh, people want to run in safe areas, but it's also you have to look at it. so I took it like a bird's eye perspective and 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 said, okay, look at I'm gonna look at the history of Baltimore and see how that um, how that has led to today, which is that these are the routes that people feel safe to run in or that or these are the routes that where white people generally live which is like to say that there's a lot of running paths and um, lit areas and accessible, you know, just places that are generally good to run in. And that's where everyone runs in it. Black and white included, for the most part. I mean, that's not to say that. And, and I think I do, ju- I got some pushback from the article from some people who ran in, who do runs in the black butterfly areas and which I understand, I get it. I mean, I run in them when I do long runs for sure. I run all over the city, but I, I felt that, Although that exists, there are people that do runs in there that are trying to do some good things. And from an overall bird's eye perspective, it's a pro- It is segregated. There is white. There's places that are white and black, and most people just run in the white areas. Like ninety-five percent of runners. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious.
0: What's going on, Run Your Nation? I hope you all are doing well today and enjoying the podcast up until this point, which is brought to you in part by the folks that believe in the run and Big Run Media. Now, if you've been following me for any period of time, I know you've seen me wearing my believe hat and I wear it because, well, I believe in the run, but more so because I believe more so, ah, damn, that is so hard to say, I believe in the man behind the brand. Thomas and the folks at Believe in the Run offer honest sneaker reviews and today is Monday so that means today is Marketing Monday Big Run Media is a digital marketing agency helping the running industry and endurance events grow they're the publishers of Believe in the Run so if you have an event that you're looking to get off the ground or you need some tips, head over to big run media today is monday yet you might be listening to it on a tuesday or thursday whatever day you're listening to head over to their page and you will be sure to find some marketing tips to help your brand reach out to them and they will be glad to work with you to get your event off the ground and running pun intended so yeah check out some of the samples of the stuff that they give out for marketing monday Work on building your community. Make your Facebook page a hub for discussions. Host monthly Q&A chats about your race. And let previous participants, ideally an elite or well-known athlete, host a takeover. Above all else, encourage dialogue and be responsive. Big Run Media. Believe in the run. I'm a Go check them out. Peace. Now back to the episode
1: of say look this is where running's at it's it is segregated but it's also but there's a reason for that and that's the really awful history of segregation in Baltimore which is unlike a lot of other cities and which people don't realize and honestly I didn't realize until I started to dive into it more how awful Baltimore's history is and so and I want to kind of show that that this is the reason why it's like this and then here's also these people who who are trying to change that and so I interviewed a couple of groups, uh, one of them was riot squad running, which is stands for running is our therapy. And then the other one was the black run organization. And,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so they, um, so they're both groups in Baltimore. And I really went to, and I also made it a point to focus on um, black runners who are actually from Baltimore, because there's a lot of runners who aren't from Baltimore, who kind of like think that they have an idea of what Baltimore is. And. And like myself included, I'm not from here. So I didn't feel that I like I went to put any focus on myself or what I, you know, um, my view of running in Baltimore, aside from like the historical perspective. And I wanted to get Mm -hmm. the view of like black runners who are actually from the city. Um, Because a lot of people were like, oh, well, I run through the city. My group runs through the city. It's like, that's true. Like you are in this group that runs through the city, um, you know, through maybe parts that most people don't run through. But you're also like, you're not from here. And, you know, even if you're black or white, like, I just went, I went to focus the article on people who have a real connection for Baltimore, who lived here, who know the history personally. And so that's why I focused on um, the black running organization. Um, and East is actually the one guy I interviewed. Um, he's actually not from Baltimore, but his wife is. And um, a lot of the, a couple of the other runners that I interviewed from their group were, um, Lenny and then also, um, from riot squad running, uh, the people I interviewed for that are are from the city as well.
2: Yeah. That's what i respected about the, you know, in, in reading through the article, um, just the, the, your perspective and it wasn't, didn't seem like, yo, this is, this is something I'm, you know, doing, this is, you know, waving a flag, check me out, you know, and, um, yes, yeah, so I, 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 I really certainly appreciated that
1: yeah i, you know. I mean and and uh, like that especially because i'm i'm in the running group faster bastards and we like we run along the canton waterfront every saturday morning like that's like our go-to run so it's like you know i can i like i'm as much of a problem as anybody else you know what i mean like are the groups it's that i run not a problem but i'm just saying i'm like I'm part of that running in the, the L, you know what I mean? So it's like, mm-hmm. so, but although I've personally, I've tried to, I started a uh, run monthly with the Faster Faster's or monthly or every other month where someone designs a route that takes us to other parts of the city. So it's like, we get to mm-hmm. experience other places. And I try to take, like, I've run the East side and West side on two different routes. It's like, oh, there's some really beautiful parts in places that aren't traditionally ran. Um, yeah. Anyways, so like, so that was kind of the the reason behind the article, and and I was actually pretty sad because, and this was my own fault because I just wanted the article to get out there, but I was I was actually a little sad because I had included a section that was detailing the historic segregation in Baltimore, and they stripped it out of the article at like last minute, and that really kind of bummed me out because I felt like that did like gave a backstory of why Baltimore was so much different. Um, so that was unfortunate because I think people would have had a different perspective, people, I should say haters, um, if they had read that. So that was something that kind of bummed me out, but
2: you can share it if you'd like. I mean, yeah. Unless, so you know, you, you're, you're um, actually was. prohibited from.
1: <laughs> no, I can pull it up. I mean, I like actually pulled it up just in case I can use it during this. So interestingly enough, Baltimore, like in the late 1800s, like 1875, like right after the Civil War, it wasn't like it wasn't a terribly segregated city. I mean, it it was as were all cities in the South below the Mason Dixon line, but like. All things considered, because it was so close to the north, it was actually uh, among all the southern cities was really one of the least segregated cities, and uh, blacks and whites actually mingled somewhat freely. So it was, it wasn't, I should say, that as bad as as the other places in the south. Um, but but following reconstruction, like in the eighteen nineties, um, I believe it's there certain people came into power that progressively made the segregation worse in Baltimore. And it just kept getting worse and worse Um, until in the 1910s, that time frame, 1910, 1915, um, Mm -hmm. Baltimore was actually one of the uh, first cities. It was actually the first city in America to come up with a essentially legal way to – um to ban African Americans property ownership within white residential areas so they actually it was like a law it wasn't even like uh a statute or anything so it was so they weren't allowed to own within white residential areas then the Sup- supreme court struck that down and, and then when that was struck down those white residential areas made community agreements within them that were made to keep Blacks, Jews, and other minorities out of those areas. So it was like a workaround. And then other cities throughout the U.S. copied this model. Adopted it. Yeah. So it ended up, like, Baltimore was, like, spearheaded this, like, segregation that was, like, quote-unquote, like, legal. You know what I mean? Like, they started that. And then eventually that led to redlining, which was a federal uh, redlining map where they, in the 1930s, the federal government um, made a essentially – a ranking of desirable neighborhoods and so this was, this ranking was you were able to use this when uh promoting neighborhoods or selling them so then it ended up uh if you had a bad like and you were basically ranked by your race essentially and so that led to obviously segregated neighborhoods and, and less investment in certain neighborhoods and then there was blockbusting which came right after that which was that uh so, if one family moved into a black, uh, into a white neighborhood and they crossed that line, uh, real estate uh, speculators or yeah, yeah, real estate agents would come in and drive fear into the hearts of the white residents and be saying, like, your neighborhood's gone, gone to the shitter, crime's gonna be terrible, you need to sell now. So, they get scared that they were gonna be the last ones out of the neighborhood. They'd sell their house at a low rate, yeah. they'd come in drive up the price like crazy and sell it, flip it over and sell it to the black residents and even then they didn't really sell to the black residents property ownership wasn't a real thing they would be it would be land lease agreements which were like insanely predatory like (laughs) like the interest rates were absurd and if you missed like one payment or were like a day late they could claim your they could take back everything you paid into it and and you wouldn't own your property anymore.
2: It was crazy. Yo, you really went down like a rabbit hole for this article about running. I mean, did you, when you started running, did you see yourself, um, did you write, were you a writer before? Uh,
1: um, so I, so I, I have an English degree. So in, in, in college, I wrote a lot and I wrote for a newspaper, like straight out of college for a little bit. Um, and then I kind of just like let it fall. To did the you way. have
0: a
2: pocket protector?
1: And no, I, I should have with like, um, with
2: like a, a Stetson hat and um.
1: No, I no. just had a uh, I had a suit. I had a white dress shirt with a Superman shirt underneath. And then if anyone, <laughs> if there's any crime in my small neighborhood, you're you ruining it, it out exactly. Oh, um, no, so I, so I did, I did have some writing background, and honestly, I probably should have been doing way more of it um, throughout my twenties and stuff, but started to get back into it a couple of years ago. And so that's essentially, um, yeah, how I had the idea to write this or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm. I think it was very informative, man. Very well written. I was, I was like, okay, let me, let me find out what else is out there. You did a, um, a piece on your, uh, on the opioid crisis also. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That was, that was my first thing I did for runner's world. And that was kind of like, I wrote it and then like sent it in cold to them and they, like really loved it and um so which i was grateful for but if anyone wants to read that that's called um uh, addiction suicide and a prayer for healing i believe on a long run i think that's what the title is and um yeah that was kind of rough that was about my brother who at the time had a uh, uh opioid addiction as I'm sure many people listening or in the country have experienced. I mean, everybody knows somebody now. Um, And he had been dealing with it for uh, since 2012. So like five years, I guess. Um, And so, yeah, it was just like a really rough time when my brother, that my brother was going through, my family was going through. And I just, I went on this long run back at home, just kind of like thinking about everything that was going on and, Um, and yeah, it's just it was a pretty tough thing to write, even to read now. It's still tough. I mean, he's still, uh, I think he's he was sober for I know he was definitely sober for like eight or nine months, and that was like right after it was interesting. Like, right when that piece got published, he was on his way to. But yeah that was like a really tough thing to write, and I'm glad runners World published it and I got like a crazy good response from that like people really like reached out to me and like it was heartbreaking hearing a lot of the stories that people talked about of like their son dying or their you know husband dying and seeing how that meant a lot and how they knew what I was going through and it's crazy just yeah. it's because you think about all the people running out there, you know that even maybe people that you run with in running groups and stuff, and you don't realize like, oh man, these people are dealing with. Like there's a lot of shit they're dealing with on their long runs, you know.
2: Yeah, that's that's what I found so um, you know fascinating. about it. as as I'm reading through it, it, reminded me of my my brother. Like it was you know different time, different color, but the same basic problem. Different drug of choice or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know he, you know, and I had shared this with you, or whatever, you know, in terms of just being he was hooked crack, mm-hmm. he was crack at it, you know what I mean? And, yeah. And, coming home one night, big hole in his chest, and my, my pops, Western, and he just had a mindset, like, yo, why'd he come here, you know, mm-hmm. to... You you get to feel, like, you, there's this love. Yeah. Then it's this, like, yo, if you, you're in the street and you're doing this, this is... They're, they're, you're pretty cut and dry. This is gonna be the result. So, mm-hmm. like, we talked about it and all, and it was just like, oh, but it was... It's just different as a kid, seeing you your brother there, and even though he would take my sneakers, man, and wear them, and then like twist them out, mm-hmm. like I remember Pumas and Pro Keds and going to getting these joints from from uh, from Marshalls. I mean, Marshalls from Models uh-huh. you know, on, the, on the on the top of the table, you know. But there's just something about seeing your, your brother there with a hole in his chest, towel getting absorbed by the blood and, and not knowing if it's, um, you know, if he's going to make it, Wow. you know, it, it is, um, there's something else, man. You, you wrote this thing and said, uh, tonight I'll talk to my brother. I won't know if it's the right time to love him unconditionally or it's time to cut him off. He'll tell me he wants to get off methadone, crystal meth, Xanax, and just, I didn't even, you know, I don't even know what the other ones were Adderall. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they. um, yeah, how he wants to get rid of um, all the people he knows his fine, his friends, but I know he's not going to do any of this. Yeah, you know he's just going to keep stealing, doing things, drugs, injuring himself, and putting my parents. In... Yeah, it takes the whole family through. Yeah, you know, yeah, through yeah. The what, thing, man.
1: Yeah, like that was actually when I said that to you the other day. I read it again, which I hadn't done in a while, and I was like, man, that yeah, that part especially. I felt like that was like the the whole. Kind of encompassing feeling of the part I wrote was like those lines. You know what I mean? Because it was, because yeah. it is that. Like you're just like know that nothing's gonna change. Like you want it to change, and you're like every talk you have, you're like, oh, this like you know, even if he's super into it, and like he's like, I, I want to do this, want to this, like you just know that it's not gonna happen. Um, yeah, at least at least that next day, but I'm saying like, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but there is that chance where it's like, you like, as it's such a weird feeling where you want, you don't want anything bad to happen to them, which I wrote about in there, but you do want something bad to happen. So we'll kind of wake up and be like, Oh, I need to like, I need to actually change. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. and I think um, that, that, that event after going to the hospital, with him and getting admitted. Um I was involved in church at the time we found him a a, a treatment facility up in Harlem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then he started cooking for them and, and he got his, his uh his bachelors through this this organization and then he got his uh masters and now he's doing like social work. So it's That's
1: amazing. That's
2: awesome. Yeah it's I mean it, it happens. I mean there's this like oh um this feeling of man what the hell what's happening you know and you, you you want to you know just not cut him off or you just you just it was just mixed feelings I remember you know it would be nights when he would knock on the door or screaming from the uh from the step outside like mm-hmm. I know y'all can hear me let me in it's like nope like we we were the kids like I couldn't let him in yeah My pops was the player that He'd be like you'd be out next you know but then it changes, man. I mean, people, you know, you'll glamorize the the other side of it with the drugs and drug dealers or whatever, but there's right. families that were that were torn apart um, as a result of the drugs. So yeah, there was a there's a connection. There was like a relationship. So I I, I certainly um, appreciate you know those words, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, for and sure. the work that you're doing. I mean, because you guys run with with. Um, you know you do these collective runs there within the city mm-hmm. and so i think that that's cool um, so what's next up for you man
1: i don't know <laughs> this is a good question yeah i'm like it's like i said it sucks cause i'm super bummed i haven't been able to do like any crazy running stuff which is where i find a lot of my inspiration or just you know working through things but um i mean i'm definitely trying to write some more things i have some ideas that i'm Gonna work out and see if I can pitch somewhere. Some,
2: I, I, I there's a book in the works, right? I, mean, I know there's a book coming.
1: Uh, eventually, he's being modest. Eventually, get up, get up, get
2: up I know there's a book coming. Go ahead, talk the book, man. It's all
1: right. I don't have one. I eventually there, there will be one eventually. I don't know where I want to go with it though. Um,
2: yeah, I, I know there's a, definitely gonna be looking out for it, man. You yeah. know the, it's it's inspiring. It, like I, most of my runs are um. You know, it's solo. Like I'm in between Connecticut, yeah and New York and, 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 and in Connecticut, sort of like in the middle of Connecticut and it's like, man, if I wanna go on a group run, it's it's a it's a hike. Not that it's not work, but it's just like I mean if somebody's getting out at eight o'clock, then I'm you know, I gotta get up and you know, it's just like another like I'm not doing all that. I mean I feel so I go sometimes, but it's like I can't. Yeah. So I know, get like, it. Why am I going away? Like I'm living right here <laughs> in Connecticut, and that, so I'm just hit the Hamden trail and, and you know whoever I would see out there. You know, you, you meet a couple people. Well, that's what I'm saying. You want to run direction, they go in the other direction. Do so, you? How yeah. many people do you see out there? Yo, it's it's a lot of people. But it's not. I don't see that many. Um, and not that it has to be black people or whatever, but I don't see many, you know, people who look like me. Yeah. And I don't see in, as far as like young people. So yeah. reading the article, it got me to thinking,
1: man. Well, you could totally that, build it. That's what I mean. All you need is like five people, like, and then yeah, you can you can go from there. I mean, once you have that, uh, once you have that little base or just a few people, I mean, that's all you really need. I mean, you yeah. lived out. You know, you're not in a major city or anything, so it's a little bit more difficult, but it can be done.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's funny. I was talking to, uh, I happened to walk into, there's an an old school, like, um, streetwear shop. I walked in, and this guy's like, yeah, man, I've I've been following you online, and, you know, Scott Adventure is like, we we should do some stuff together, man. I'm thinking about, you know, he's brought in, like, more, running shoes that like on Asics, Yeah. Brooks and some other, oh, that's you know, a great idea. I want to, I want to start doing it. And he's like, yo, I don't run though. You know, I, I smoke. <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell you straight up, that's the... <laughs> but I just, it was just so like natural and just, he was just so upfront and it was just funny I'm like, yo, he's got like a couch in there. So he's got, he's a sneakerhead, and I'm a sneakerhead, so this, are just some things that you just find, you know, that you are kind of like attracted to. So I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, so this might be, I don't even know, I, I, I would hate, I'm not gonna tell you like, the, like the sky opened up and I heard some noise <laughs> oh, after reading the article, and you know, this is a yeah. secret, and it, but nah, just. Well, it's we'll good see just what to, happens from there.
1: Yeah, it's good to have it in your head in case, and just be looking for that opportunity. I mean, it's not you might not happen today or tomorrow, maybe. But if you start meeting someone and you have that in your head where you can be like, oh, maybe maybe this is something we can do, start a running group. And, yeah. I mean, I mean, personally, my, the running group I'm in was basically was already there. It was pretty small when I joined it, though. I think there was only – I think three years ago when I joined it, there was only like five or ten people. Um, and now it's pretty – Yeah,
2: Thomas is funny. He's like, yo, just um." Just do it, man. Yeah, if I don't, you don't need all that stuff. Just go ahead and uh, get started. Yeah, know?
1: I mean, it's literally like anything in life. Like uh, people always think, like even your podcast. You know, people think they need the best gear, uh, perfect website. Uh, you know, uh, best you know microphone. But it's like you just you just need to start doing it, and, it, and it'll go from there. You'll figure it out.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, um, I appreciate you. Um, you know, taking the time out your day. I know you. you you're. Yeah. Here. You know, you written articles and stuff it's like. Well, no, see, contact. You didn't tell me you know, like contact my agent, and uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and we'll 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 see. You like have my people because I ain't got people, so there, there'll be none of that. You know, I have my people <laughs> contact your people. It was just real, so I, I I appreciate that, man. You know, yeah. And I'm did you? I'm sure your article is is inspired other people because I, I can't imagine that I was the only person who um you know talked about your article and I, I reached out to um riot squad oh cool and a couple other folks that um you know that have been doing these running crews or whatever and everybody's been pretty pretty receptive um and, and helpful so yeah you should
1: you'll definitely probably talk to some of them allison is great from riot squad she's been on a couple podcasts recently i really enjoy listening to her um and then yeah east is always like a great talk um he has some great ideas uh there anyone from their group's Great. Um and yeah, so it has been cool though. Like we definitely have already been planning some cool runs uh mm-hmm. with between all the running groups and then we're gonna get everyone in the city involved. It's gonna be awesome. Like we're already uh Rob from Riot Squad has been talking about uh planning out a east to west run on North mm-hmm. Avenue in Baltimore, which is um that's where the North Avenue is where the majority of like this of where the riots in Baltimore, um, during Freddie Gray happened. Like that was like kind of like the, what do you call it? Ground zero for everything. Um, so it's like, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff there. Like, you know, like most people don't run through that area, I guess. Um, so it'd be cool. Like they were talking about running, doing like an East West run with everybody in the city and just kind of like, you know, bringing a party to the, um, the whole way across the city would be kind of cool because a lot of things that like one thing that a lot of people outside of Baltimore don't know is that East, West are very divided. And so it's there. I mean, there are people from East Baltimore who never step in West Baltimore their whole life. You know what I mean? Um, like as far as like young, like there are kids, teenagers that have never been to West Baltimore and it's like two miles away, you know? So it's super divided. And, um, but it'd be cool to do like a run. From east to west or vice versa but anyways so yeah they has some... got a
2: whole crew that rides rides bikes through um
1: yeah the bike party is amazing that is like so that's kind of like what we want to emulate because the bike party really does it perfectly mm-hmm. um they they have these they just go th- and run through all the, like any parts of the city that are doesn't matter literally doesn't matter where they'll designer route that goes to the most impoverished parts the you know front to the richest parts and and everybody has an awesome time there's never any like weird drama there's always like a great after party with a dj and like it's it's awesome so something like that i think is where we love to end up so hopefully you know in the coming year years that something like that'll start to happen
2: all right well man it was a pleasure talking with you i appreciate it man enjoy the rest of your uh your Sunday. Absolutely. And, uh, it was... I, I got to get down to, uh, to be more and, um, do one of these runs.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, you gotta, yeah. whenever you're down here or if anybody's down here, really just hit us up, hit a hit us up on Instagram, with faster bastards, faster
2: bastards. <laughs> or yeah. you, you can hit
1: me up on Instagram. My Instagram handle is norm core runner. It's like not hardcore, not soft just norm core. Um, uh, And then
2: Robbie. Yeah, Rob. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Robbie. Um, uh, I spell my name a little bit differently. It's like R-O-B-B-E. I started doing that in high school because like some people call me Robbie. Some people call me Rob. So I just like I'll meet in the middle, I guess. Okay. (laughs) So it's kind of weird, but I still do it. Whatever. (laughs) Deal with it. Got (laughs) you. All right, man. All right. All right. This is awesome
2: talking to you, Derek. Same here, man. Appreciate it.